Hey, everybody. Welcome to uh, another episode, episode five, actually, of season two with the CX Experience podcast with uh, Cloudlinks. My name is Frank Wasberg. I'm the CCAS practice leader for the firm. Uh, my name is Kevin Sheehan. I am one of the founders of the firm. So we are very, very excited today because we actually have the honor of having our first author on, on the podcast today. We have Charlotte Purvis, the author of the, the Customer Communication Formula. It's a book that she wrote when the pandemic started. And I've had the pleasure of reading once or almost twice now I've worked my way through because I, I enjoyed it so much, Charlotte. So, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thank you for the invitation to be here with you and Kevin and your audience today. Thank you. Thank you. I got to tell you, I, I, as we started to read the book, it aligned very well with the philosophies that Kevin and I espouse in the firm. And I, and I think where I think this, the book was summed up is very quickly in the beginning of the book. I just want to read. It. I want to make sure I get it right. It's almost like uh, an advanced CSP, what you were customer service professional, what you refer to agents, we refer to them as enablers, but advanced customer service professionals do not just take calls, they manage them with skill and style. I loved that quote, and I thought that really nailed what you were trying to accomplish with the book. Absolutely, and that describes my awesome clients, I must say. They <laughs> manage the calls with skill and with style, and what I mean by that is that um, they are trained, they are professional, and you can tell the difference between them and other customer service professionals. And the style part comes in where, like you, you and I were talking about earlier, we don't want everything to be perfectly scripted. We want them to have some of their own personal style uh, during the interactions with the customers. So those are two important components, the skill and the style, and that makes for great customer service. Sure. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it seems, uh, and I too, Charlotte, I read the book, found it really interesting. Um, I've been in this business for most, if not all of my career. And it seems one of the things you're trying to, to fight is this sort of robotic response that so many of us who work in the business of supporting customers and clients can fall into over time with enough repetition and enough taking calls on a daily basis. It's, it's rather difficult, if not impossible at times, not to fall into that robotic you know, just giving answers as, as they come up. Absolutely. And sometimes I refer to that as the assembly line approach. Mm -hmm. And we definitely do not want our customer service professionals to use that approach. And Kevin, that's not so much because of a Charlotte Purvis thing. That's what our customers tell us. Sure. They say, we want to be treated like human beings. Sure. No matter the channel no matter the situation, be sure to respond to us like human beings. And so you, you know, you, you really touched on something there. There is a, it's a thin line though, between being um, customer focused and friendly, but then we don't want to go to the other extreme of being too friendly. So we, we, that's how we balance it out. That's how I developed the formula. How do we balance all of that out? Sure. Yes. Sure. In, in, in 20, oh, sorry. No, I'm sorry, Frank. Like um, in 2021, B 
being in the contact center uh, industry as we are, you would think by what we read that customer service has been completely outsourced and artificial intelligence has taken over everything. But as a consumer, as somebody who we all still rely upon customer service in our daily lives in some aspects, I mean, I see no difference with how much I call than I did 10, 20 years ago. So the human element is more prevalent now than I think it's ever been as far as how your call is received and your needs are dealt with, sometimes in a very mission, personal, critical uh, uh, way. Typically, if you're calling uh, some call center, it's important. You're, you're taking time out of your day. You're not going through an app. You're not going through a, an email or a web server. Like if you're if you're actually picking up the phone to call someone, it's it's pretty important. And this book is a great overview of how to honor that uh, relationship between a customer and, and uh, anyone who's providing a service. That's the big takeaway I got from it. Sorry, Frank. No, I agree. I, th I think Charlotte. I think your formula, the friendly. Uh, formal and focused portion of the conversation keeps you in the right track. It keeps you from skewing too far to where you have that fr that overly friendly personal per person diving into your 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 personal aspects of a conversation. You know, you you give a you gave an interesting anecdote about you heading to a funeral um, back in the day and said they over the weekend the person said, "Hey, have a great weekend," because that's just what they did. And you're like, well, I'm going to a funeral. <laughs> you got to have you got to have a conversation between two interested parties, which I thought really focused where you want this book to go, and where you want your training to go. Absolutely. And while it sounds pretty simple and straightforward now, when I think about that, I say friendly, formal, focused. It took years to sort that all out and figure out how not only to analyze all of our customer interactions, but also how to train the customer service professionals on delivering customer service that's friendly, formal, and focused. What I have learned, and this is based on my work with lots of contact centers, which you all, uh, we, we all share that, that uh, excitement about contact centers, um, is that it's pretty easy. Once people understand that we want the friendly part, but we can deliver that in our tone. The formal part, we can deliver in our words. And then the focus part makes the customer walk away from that interaction and say something like this. You know what? That sounded totally different than everything else that I've experienced. And I think I would like to do business with them again. And what we're learning now, and there have been a lot of um, surveys that continue to support this, is that people are making decisions about whether or not they want to do business with your company. And I was just reading something recently that said that right now, especially because of the pandemic that we're in, that customer service, that's, your, that's really like your store. That's the place people go to make a decision about who you are, what your values are, how you treat your customers. So what we know for sure is that um, since, since 2020, customer service has been even more important than ever. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I think as you, as you mentioned that, 
you know, again, another point that I took away from the book was that your customers, you need your customers more than they need you. There's a lot of competition for this. There's a lot of competition. You know, people can go buy a mattress at a lot of different places now. It's not just like you had to go to the one store down the block. You know, there's there's a lot of places to do what it is you want. And the value of these conversations is critical. And I think that personal experience, maintaining it in a professional, formal conversation really does enhance the way that the, the way my experience is going to be perceived on, on the client's end of the call. Absolutely. And that's one of my favorite lines is uh, it, when I tell my clients, uh, I said, well, actually, we need them more than they need us. And also, <laughs> along those lines, I remind them that that person who called us today from Alabama, which, of course, is my home state, and you all know I always try to find a way to get that in there. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very creative, you all, in how I mention Alabama. So that call that came in from Alabama today, that person is, it's, it's more than likely that that customer will not ever speak to the president or the CEO of your company. It's very likely. Sure. So you are representing the company, you're representing the board, you're representing all of the stakeholders. And if we can just get that across to our customer service professionals, how important their role is, because you are the face, the voice of the of the company. Very important message. And once they get that, I've seen some I've seen a lot of good turnaround when people really understand that. I I would think that I mean, that that's really the heart of it. And that's probably the reason why anyone who's listening to this or watching this right Mm -hmm. now, Charlotte, is, is doing so, because. The, helping a, a a call center make that jump with an agent where that agent is is going to be representing the company as you said like the customer was talking to the C- CEO or a major shareholder but they're not so it i guess the the secret sauce there is how to help train or convince the agent to speak with the same amount of importance to a customer like they were the owner of the company you know when they're when they're not um, that really is the challenge. And I know a lot of contact center managers wrestle with that. Yes. And that is one of the foundational principles of the training that I do is to help those customer service professionals, as I call them, recognize the importance that they, that they do all the important things that they bring to the table. And what has happened a lot of times is because of their title because of their quote ranking, and I put that in quotes, in the organization, they don't often get the recognition they deserve. So in addition to training them and coaching them, one of my greatest experiences with them is when I can help motivate them. And I'm proud to say that a lot of the customer service professionals that I've worked with over the years have moved on to higher levels of leadership Mm-hmm. And they say that those lessons that they learn in the contact center or in a customer service environment have served them well when they moved on to uh, higher levels of leadership. Yes, it's it's an interesting phenomenon that Frank and I and our team have noticed in working mm-hmm. with call centers. Going slightly off topic here, yeah. uh, the best experiences that we've had, the best clients that we've had, and what we do is we we consult and help manage a contact center when they're migrating to cloud-based technologies. So that represents a complete forklift of all the technology that's supporting that call center. Uh, and it and it transcends 
not just the IVR, but it's every integration, every CRM connection. The people who we've had the best experience with, not just the most pleasant, but the ones who've been the most uh, acutely um, planned, uh, who the ones who are the most prepared and execute the best have been people, managers who have started out working as agents, sometimes in the same call center and worked their way up. Yeah. You know, and many of them didn't or don't have even a college level education at all and are now managing 300, 500 agents for a major organization um, and are and are tasked moving that organization to a completely new technology platform. <laughs> the best ones we work with, we I wish we could filter them out and find them with future projects are the ones who work their way up from being an agent. Absolutely. And can the two of you imagine what it's been like for me to have been the person to help develop that person oh, must for be, that next role? Must yeah. be incredible. Incredible. And then, I'm not kidding you, as recently as just the end of 2020, received a gift from one of them. I mean, just just a surprise. You know, it's like the, the moment when you get one of those packages and you say, now, I know I haven't ordered anything. What is this? That moment. <laughs> and you open it up and it's from one of my former CSP saying, I just want to say thank you. Oh, thank you again. So that's great. You know, so so I, I can appreciate what you all are saying about being there to observe the difference in the people when they moved on to those levels of leadership. And so I want to join that and say, yes, and I get to be the one to help them. And it's just to know that you're making that kind of a contribution, whether it's in your area or mine, it's really, it's really very rewarding. Can we sure. all agree? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> we actually did a conversation with um, Sharpen, a, a, CX pro, a, a CCAS provider. And they were talking about downplaying the value that a lot of firms are getting from gamification because they said, you know, it's kind of good. It's it's there, but it's, you know, great. You get an avatar, but you, you buy some sneakers and blah, blah, blah. But th they were finding that if you just build it so that you're treating the agents like human beings and how you'd want to be treated, that they'll actually produce more for you and they'll get higher returns. And we thought that was a very interesting thing because everyone's putting such an emphasis on technology mm -hmm. where they and, and you to a large degree put an emphasis on no just the human interaction is what people are looking for they're looking to be treated properly and they're looking to be treated formally and with respect absolutely absolutely and that's what i i enjoy saying as well is that the formula is for our external customers obviously but it also works with our internal customers and what i can say is that i actually use it as a part of my business model and um, I um, uh, was talking to my consultant recently and she said, I, I, I wrote something and she says, oh, she says, well, you use your formula. You use your formula. And I, and I just thought, well, don't is use your magic on me. I know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, right. That's right. So it, 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 yes, it's great for external. But yes, this is a good what we are talking about now, uh, Frank and Kevin, is a good reminder that a lot of what we know to be true is also important for our internal customers as well. Very sure. good point. Yes. <clears throat> Frank and I spoke Frank and I spoke about uh, in the book you write about the process of connection, conversation, and then closure. Yes. yes. Um, 
that that's truly an art. You're balancing creating a human connection, but at the same time, you're also balancing that with you're being tasked with producing a result very quickly. So, you know, to marry those two sometimes is not an easy task. Uh, you know, Frank, Frank and I had a, a nice long chat about that one, about how difficult that is. Yes. And um, when I have the privilege, which is one of my favorite things to do, by the way, of uh, participating in a call calibration session, that's, I mean, I am, I'm at home in a contact center, whether, no matter whether it's virtually or live and put me, put me at a table virtually or non-virtually where we're listening to calls and reviewing them. I, I can't even begin to describe for you all what that what that's like for me. When I'm listening to a call and there's a distinct beginning, middle and end, it literally is like listening to music for me. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody, someone pointed out to me, said, um, you know, something about why I called it, like I, it would be easy just to say, you know, there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And I said, you know what, that would be boring to just because everything has a beginning, middle and end. But I wanted to attach some meaning to it. So, yes, it's the connection, the conversation and the closure. When we can get those three distinct components all to come together uh, very smoothly, orderly with the formula, I tell you, it. There's just nothing like it. I sit there in those calibration sessions and I'm smiling. I'm asking to be the first person to give my comments and I send what I call rave reviews. I'll send an email to that customer service professional with a rave review because you said it. That is an art to be able to do that. Um, and like all musicians, like, like all great musicians, like I'm sure no musician of any level of, of talent ever sits down with a formula and it's like, let me stick to the formula or when they play music there, I mean, maybe they are, but the ones we, the ones we lionize the most are the ones who make it seem like it's effortless, effortless. Um, you know, that's, it's a difficult thing to learn. And it must be an even more difficult thing to teach. And there's a lot of people out there who we see and we've met who who proselytize that they can do that. But talk a little bit about how difficult that is, because you you can't just talk to customers or people reading off a script. Absolutely. You don't have the luxury of having a script for every conversation. So you, it has to be natural, but it has to kind of stick to that same framework of connection then you're having a conversation and then you have to produce results of around that conversation. And, and that's it. Yes. Well, there are two important steps. Uh, one is to do the intellectual processing of that, just to, in training, I talk to them about it, talk about the different phases, talk about what happens during each phase, talking about it from the customer point of view. But here's one of my favorite things to do is to, hear that music and then tell the leaders here's one that here's an example of something you want to you want to use that in training capture that one your new 
um, team member training, play that one, sure. you know, taking out any confidential information and they know how to do that, of course. Yeah. But it's one thing to just talk to people about it. And I enjoy doing that. But the, for me, one of the best things to do is to let them hear that music and analyze it for them so that it's not just us talking about it. So I enjoy that. I enjoy highlighting those that I consider to be top of the line and letting the other customer service professionals hear them. Yeah, people sure. will emulate the person. And again, that's again with gamification, but they will emulate the people doing real well if they and they learn differently. So if, if they hear it, they know it, they see it, they'll emulate it if they can. Even the little things, though. I like how you touch on the little Absolutely. things. Absolutely. Step on. Oh, go ahead. No, please, please go. So I, I think I, I like how you focus on a lot of the little things too. You know, one of the things you talk about is a simple thing like placing the call on hold. Yes. Right. You, you focus a lot of a little bit of time on that is your first example where you're going to build trust with the client. If you don't mind hitting us up on that, because that that's that's an area where you can lose me on a call. <laughs> Yes, exactly. So I've heard all kind of versions. I've heard, I heard a lot of versions of that. And that's why I, for my clients, had to come up with something that sounded a little bit better. So um, can you hold on for a minute? Can I can I put you on hold? Um, uh, hang on. Oh, well, that was one of the ones that really, really got my attention was, okay, Frank, just hang on and I'll, I'll be right back. It's like, well, no, actually, we don't want Frank hanging on. He's our customer. Can we use language and a tone that's just a bit friendlier? So it dawned on me. And here again, it sounds so simple now when I'm talking to the two of you about it. However, it took some sorting to figure that out as well. Actually, we're placing the call on hold. And that's one thing. And secondly, it's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's, that's such a nuance. But that is yes. So important. Yeah. And guess what? And actually, if the truth be told, I'm asking your permission to place your call on hold. So, so Kevin, may I place your call on hold while I access that information for you? Because what I'm saying, I'm uh, several messages there. First of all, do, is it okay with you? Cause you're sure. my customer. And secondly, I want to be respectful of your time because you got you, you know, those two or three minutes, you you can do a lot of things in two or three minutes. You can check email, you can, you know, straighten up your desk or whatever you want to do. So I want to be respectful that you're not just sitting in there waiting on me. So Kevin, may I place your call on hold while I ex access your information? And that's that last part. I'm always explaining to you why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's always about you. It's not about me. It's not for my convenience. Sure. And what I can tell you all is that when you hear that on a call, when my clients use verbiage like that, it's, again, music. It's music to your ears. Sure. Sure. The being put on hold is the thing that is probably the most impactful and stressful on the customer's side. In other words, it's the point where the the relationship between customer and and vendor 
typically goes south. It's the thing that we're most guarded about. The moment yes. you feel like you're being put on hold, yes. you're being almost dismissed <laughs> to some small degree. Yes. Yes. And and also what we're saying now is we're even adding the word brief. May I place your call on hold? May I place your call on a brief hold while yeah. I access that information? Or if let me tell you all this, if there's a process, we know over time that the process takes two to three minutes to right. do what we're getting ready to do. So guess what? Sometimes we're even saying that, which is so awesome. Kevin, may I place yep. your call on hold for two to three minutes while I access that information for you? Yeah. You yeah. wrote it, you wrote in the book that when when placing a call on hold, the, the most important part is setting the expectation. Mm-hmm. And then keeping that commitment to keep building trust because I mean, I could speak unendingly of good and bad customer experiences that I've had. Um, Sometimes when you're being put on hold, you're, you're first hit with a two minute barrage of the person being overly saccharine about putting on hold, which doesn't do any good for me either because I'm like, I'm calling with a problem or I'm calling to buy something, you know, you know, a 45-second apology about putting them on hold is not really making me feel any better either. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's more establishing that trust and keeping that commitment that I understand you you need something. I'm putting you on hold. Here's the reason why. Uh, you know, this is I'm not dismissing you. I'm actually going to escalate this and get you to where you need to be much quicker. If you can convey that, sounds yeah. easy now. Like we're 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 three football commentators. You know. Yeah doing a Monday morning assessment. <laughs> but if that can be done well, yes. I mean, that inspires such loyalty to uh, to a, a brand. Absolutely. I, Absolutely. We've, seen it, we've seen both ends of that, good and bad. Yes. And the key thing, the key point is that the call belongs to you, Kevin, and I'm here to be of service. Sure. So, you know, whatever I can do to make things better for you, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I can use, I say, and that's an example of where I use my words, I use my tone and my actions to build trust, just like you just said. Right. Um, And using, using the person's name uh, as you, as you're doing, as you have a, 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 there's an art to doing that, not overdoing it, but also Mm -hmm. doing it strategically to make them feel that you're, you're talking to them. Yes. Um, And may I jump in on that? Just may I just say this? Yes. Okay. So. In the, I would like everyone to know that in the example I just used, um, it would be Kevin because we have already we've already worked that out at the beginning yes. of the call. You've told me, please, please call me Kevin. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we have different standards in different parts of the country. You all read about that in the book. It's regional. It's cultural. It's mm-hmm. personal about the use of the the titles and so forth, Mr. Ms. and so forth. So um, um, let's always be clear that that's something we try to work out. We Our goal is to work that out at the beginning of a call so that when it's time to place your call on hold or it's time to disengage or disconnect, then we've already straightened that out. And that's also a part of building that trust that you've said, oh, sure, call me Kevin. Yeah. No, yeah. I agree. Which is impressive, which is impressive because I've been with I've known Kevin for 20 years now. and It's only been the last two or three. He's let me stop calling him, sir. So this is great. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Charlotte. You've, you've moved up the ranks faster than anybody. Oh, well, I tell you, that's what look, we. this is I'm I'm all about the customer service. 
um, it, you know, keep keeping in that vein, Charlotte. Yeah. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about uh, not labeling clients? Because oh. I really, I really like that part. Thank you. Um, Frank and I both for many, many years ran, um, sales teams together and it was, it was very, very large sale business. You know, it was a high dollar value sale and we were charged with training reps in the art of, uh, managing relationships with clients and Mm -hmm. learning how to not label clients is something that's very important. Absolutely. And because that, this, this topic is so important and how I stumble upon it is because my clients were doing that, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I just thought that's not something that I would do. So I was surprised. But what I learned through that was not to be judgmental as a consultant, but to work toward a solution but not based just on my own personal preferences, but to give them some context. So that's how I developed that whole way of thinking around the fact that they are not trained. You don't go anywhere to be trained to be a customer. We're the ones with the training, with the skill, with the style, with the resources. So that's an unreasonable expectation that that customer is going to know how to quote act when they are on the call with us. So it's important for our brand and it's important for the alignment with our values that we don't label them. We talk about the situation, the experience, that's fair. It was a very challenging situation. Um, It was an experience that left me with a lot of questions. Um, I was very uncomfortable. I can say all of that, but to, to, to label the customer, there's really no benefit in that because once we do that, we've mm-hmm. already, now we're, we're beginning to put barriers and it's hard. It, it's, it's hard for me to believe that when we label the customer, that that's not going to show up somewhere in our interaction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to, it's going to show up. So why even go down that path? Let's talk about the situation. Let's talk about the experience that we had. Let's own our own feelings. But I'm not, no, I, I, am, I am so against that. And also, it's better alignment with what we learn from our HR professionals. And lessons that I've learned, I've been exposed to some of the best. And we don't label the person we label the situation, the experience and so forth. Sure. And that's a, that's a key lesson. And, and actually um, I've had some great results, I must say. Sure. With that. How yeah, could when, you not? How yeah, could when, you not? Yeah. When people first hear it, it's like, well, you just have, you don't know about my customers. You don't. And I said, well, I, I, I told, I told a group recently, I said, Oh, yes, I do. I know your customers. I know their cousins. (laughs) (laughs) I know their friends. Believe you me. However, what I do know is this, is that the customer is always the customer. Sure. And they deserve our utmost, utmost respect. And the line we talked about earlier, we need them. Typically, we need them more than they need us. So the whole disgruntled customer 
the customer with the bad attitude, uh, the customer who you can't ever can't do anything right for. There's just keep going down that path. There's nothing worthwhile there for us as the professionals. Yeah, it sets the tone for your initial conversation if you've labeled that person. Yeah. I, I go back to Kevin. And I were in a sales training. Oh God, Kevin, remember Dan Schaefer? We did that sales training once 15 years ago, and it was it was a great training because the Harvard oh, the Harvard Club on the Harvard uh, Club or the Yale Club the Yale Club on Vanderbilt. the Yale Club is that what it was Yep. So he did, he did this training on customer service, and everyone has a difficult client to call you up. We, we you know and and a lot of our business was in New York, so you had a lot of clients who just call you up and just they'd start off the call yelling at mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. and he said no matter what, no matter how angry they are, no matter where they're coming from, no matter what they're saying. You always got to diffuse the situation with a, with a line that stuck with me. He says, thank you very much for being so calm. I appreciate you letting me help you. If it was my business, I'd be screaming worse than you are. Yes. So give me a moment and let me fix this situation for you and we can work together on this problem. And he's like, that sentence always worked. And yeah. for 20 years, I've been using it. It works like a charm. It does. We've, and, used and, it, we've used it more times than I like to remember. Yes, absolutely. Especially technology yes yes one of my favorites is um first of all we do sincerely apologize i go down that path and then say but i really appreciate your feedback because Mm -hmm. that's how we continue to grow and develop and that's one of my favorite lines and it's really true it's all feedback i try not to even label the feedback whether it's you know people say negative or it's just it's feet it's just information Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's based and on that person's say, experience. So we can. And, and what you're saying mm-hmm. is the customer, I like how you said it. The, the customer is always the customer, not that the customer is always right. Because sometimes yeah. they're just outright wrong yeah. and they think they're right. Or, you know, they're yeah. trying to return a toaster to the a, a different store than they bought it or whatever the case may be. But they're still the customer and you got to work through those situations. Absolutely. Um, in, in the second part of the book, Charlotte, yes. you, um, you wrote about there's 12 critical questions that every CSP needs to ask themselves mm-hmm. really on a daily basis. Uh, six st- stood out to me, which was what's the, what's the customer service vision and what's, what's the mission statement of the organization that you represent? Um, you know, I, I, I remember trying to instill this in account management professionals over the course of my career. That whatever that mission statement is in the organization, and we touched upon this a little earlier, explain how like the the importance of that needing buy-in from the frontline people and, and the impact on the overall organization's um, absolutely brand. Yes, yes. The um, the disconnect that I started noticing between the it's like the company's mission, vision, values, and then the customer service. Sometimes they weren't aligned. And what I, what I learned through that is an important lesson is that I really am looking to the leaders not only to set the mission, vision, and values for customer service, what's often missing is we need them to live it out as well. Mm-hmm. We need them to demonstrate what that looks like. I need to see them every now and then. I need to see a leader Uh, with a customer service professional, listening to them, talking to them, finding out what's really happening on the front lines. So that disconnect to me can be fixed 
by, first of all, let's go back and look at our mission, vision, and values and see if it's still relevant today. Like, I, I'm hoping that everybody has made some changes since 2020 for what we're, what we're doing and how we're going to do this. You know, I, I, hope, I hope that this situation we're in now has motivated all of us. I know it has in my business. Sure. Motivated all of us to, to let's step back and see, are we still on track? So um, we want to go back. Let's rethink all of that. And then secondly, let's get the leaders to make a commitment to demonstrate what does that look like to be customer focused, to be to to have empathy, which is an important topic right now, as you all know, um, to be in alignment. What I'm learning is that we need to see that. We need to see what that looks like. And I'll give you an example. I um, was working with a group with uh, some leaders on the topic of empathy. And it dawned on me, would that not be the irony of irony for them to teach a class on empathy, but not have any? <laughs> no, no. Is there anything that's more toxic than an organization that promotes a mission statement yes. and then blatantly exhibits not like living up to what the mission statement is. Thank you. So and empathy is the biggest one. People don't even, a lot of people, they, they, they're not trained, they're not teaching it, they're not learning empathy. Yeah. They're not learning how to get those. And I think it's a part of this disconnected world of social media and black and white. Everything has to be black or white in social media. You're right or you're mm -hmm. wrong. My team versus your team. They don't know how to take the, to take the view of the other person's feelings or live in their shoes. Absolutely. Well, I'm very proud to say that that was a top topic for my clients in 2020. We really did some deep dives about empathy, not only for our external customers, but also for our internal customers. Mm -hmm. And um, the big lesson was empathy is great in the classroom. It, I mean, because I, I taught the classes, so I'm all for that. What I needed from the leaders as well is to demonstrate what it looks like. And again, that to me is an example of a topic that I hope most of us took some time to step back and rethink that in 2020, because there was a new expectation for empathy that wasn't there before. And I would like to see that on more of our mission, vision and value statements going forward. Listen, Charlotte, if you could become an expert on how to instill empathy mm -hmm. in people mm -hmm. and, and ha share some of those secret tips, this podcast is going to gain viewers <laughs> exponentially because <laughs> I think that that's probably it, one could argue that's the big problem we have as a nation yeah. is just and maybe it is because of technology. Maybe, you know, Frank, Frank's kind of touching on that. Uh, and we see that in the business of, of consulting with call centers. Yes. The more technology that's out there, the less empathy that is really being uh, put out as well. And that the importance of agents having more empathy when people are getting frustrated with whatever, you know, faux faux empathy they're getting from a, a text message or an email or an automated AI voice, once they get to a real human being, uh, being able to really, really connect with somebody is, is now that much more important. Um, yes. 
you know, Kevin, Mr. Overstating the Obvious, but that's my role on these podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) No, that is so important. And and what I can say to you is that um, I have had some great success with people who rated low on the empathy scale and told me, told me that. It's like, you know, I came to this class and I was rating pretty low and I lift the pressure off them by saying that essentially that um, some of our expectations of ourselves around empathy are unreasonable. Uh, For example, someone who's answering calls all day to expect them to feel all of that all of the time. It's just, I mean, who does that? I don't, I don't know. I can't speak for anybody else, but I can't, you can't feel all of that all the time. So guess what? We focus on the expression of empathy. Sure. Not the feelings, because the truth is, Kevin, I cannot tell you how to feel. That's I mean, that's ridiculous. I can't tell you that. I can, however, as a leader, I can set expectations for how you're going to express empathy to our customers. And just being able to sort that out for my clients, let me tell you, they have they sighed, it was a big sigh of relief to know that their job was around the expression of empathy and that their feelings were off limits for me or anyone else to tell them how to feel. And that's what we've done. We've associated empathy with feelings. What I will say is in our real life, in my real life, in your real life, that is very true. At work, in customer service, let's rethink that and let's separate feelings from verbal expressions of empathy. And that was my big breakthrough for 2020. I'm so proud to tell you. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's great. That That is not easily done. Yes. Um, and kind of dovetailing to what we, we started talking about earlier, which is you've got a, you've got a bunch of people working together, working for an organization in the call center industry. I'm sure many of them are like, look, uh, this is a paycheck and I'm going to get a paycheck no matter whether this is a good call or a bad call. Mm-hmm. And what you've been successful doing is creating that kind of group empathy is like, Hey, no, I'm responsible to the person to the left and the right of me and, and, mm-hmm. and the organization who's financially supporting us to help t- take it forward and, and keep it going and, and help it survive. You're creating this environment of, of, of a team of a tribe and and it and we're all depending upon each other, helping these customers, and that organizationally keeps us all employed. Very macro perspective yes. to to teach. Um, yes. Why don't you touch upon that a little bit? Because I that that really hit me very uh, impactfully as well. Yes, and that's actually how the book came about because my it was my clients who were asking for a book so that. They wanted one place to capture all of the Charlotte Purvis learning, so to speak. And um, when I'm when I'm working in the context of a contact center or a customer service environment, um, my focus is always on the customer. That's something that I've been clear about from the beginning. So even when I'm working one on one with a customer service professional, um, at the end of the time together, my concern is. Well, so how is that going to translate when you're on the telephone or when you're interacting with the customer? So a lot of what we get um, distracted by 
I don't get distracted by it. It's all about the customer. So we are rallying around the customer and also to help build that culture that says that you are making a difference in the lives of hundreds of people every year. And where else can you go for that experience Mm -hmm. to be able to do that? And also, I'll tell you all another one of my secrets, so to speak, is that, and I've been, and this is based on feedback I've been given, is that a lot of what I teach is not so much taught in the classroom. My clients consistently say that I demonstrate customer service to them, Mm -hmm. that the way I conduct myself with them, they get to see what it looks like. And so that's the way I've been able to help build those teams and build those relationships and get that unexpected gift from a client. You know, a box shows up and it's from a client who just wants to say thank you. It's simply because I am demonstrating for them what I'm teaching them to do. I'm showing them what it looks like. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, it is. It's that living the mission statement of what you're doing if it's not like you're teaching something that you picked up in some course no you're teaching something that's intrinsic to your core values as a person it comes through it shows um i, I we, we've gone a while but i and I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying the conversations but i don't i don't want to leave without asking you one more question charlotte about one of the things since you wrote the book during the pandemic i thought it was kind of timely that you mentioned a, uh, a SWAT team for customer service right now, right? It was an interesting portion of the book towards the end because you wrote it during the pandemic and you're talking about the need for this now more than ever. Maybe you could just touch on that real quick uh, because I, I do, I think it's relevant to what's, what the world we're living in right now. Most relevant, the, uh, I, like your, I like your phrase for it, your term for it, the SWAT team, I like that. Uh, in the book, we call it the, um, it's referred to as the as extreme customer service. It's the customer service that we are intentional about developing and delivering either during a crisis or a critical situation. So a crisis like the pandemic, um, it could be um, a reputation issue with your company. Um, it, could, it could be something like the discontinuation of a product or a medication or a service. So that would be considered a crisis or a critical situation might be a product launch. That's one of my favorite things to work on, by the way, is when you're launching a new product, you're getting a lot of questions coming into your customer service professionals. Mm-hmm. So I um, have had the great privilege of being with clients as they have uh, worked through these um, crises and critical situations. And uh, as you mentioned, Frank, I developed a a step-by-step process. And if I had to choose one thing to say about the process, it's that this is a time when you choose the best of the best, the best of the best process, the best of the best people, um, the best of the best training, All of your best, you're going to put it out front and you're going to monitor and measure unlike ever before. And the great news about this is that once you do this, um, if you manage this properly, when you come out on the other side, your 
entire team is going to be stronger because you're going to bring all of those lessons from that crisis or that critical situation. You're going to bring that back to the team and your team will grow from there. Um, and I know that a lot of people like to run away for the, from the crisis and the critical situations and I'm wired differently. I enjoy those times when my clients are experiencing those situations. I enjoy um, getting the best of the best and training them and working with them. Um, it really ultimately can be a great benefit for your entire organization. Kevin, Kevin ran our account management teams for a long time. And mm -hmm. one of the things he taught the people was, listen, we we lived through Hurricane Sandy here in New York, yes. right? And it was one of the worst times for telecommunications ever. But we retained and grew client relationships because when the chips were down, we went out and did some things that were unprecedented. You know, not me. I mean, I was running around trying to bail out my house, but Kevin <laughs> ran a team of people that were running around doing some things that were unprecedented. I was bailing. Kevin was in the trenches during that time, and really, you know, kind of fits your philosophy of. You build a relationship when, when things are hard, not when things are easy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, the benefits, if it's done right, and I, I include this, I'll give you the step-by-step -step process, uh, as well as talk about when it's all over, some of the steps you can take to make sure that the entire team benefits. So that, to me, is, um, you know, I know it's an overused word, but it's a great opportunity for your organization to grow. Sure, and yourself, and yes. yourself. and for you to grow. That's a good one, good point. Um, the, uh, the book, The Customer Communication Formula by Charlotte Purvis, we have both read it, we loved it. Anyone in the business of managing a call center, anybody who works in a call center, would be well served to get a copy. It's a, it's a very easy read. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I can't say enough about it. And thank you, Charlotte, so much for, for joining us. This has been fantastic. You, uh, we hope you come back and, and join us again. I hope, well, to see it, hope to see you at some trade shows sometime yes. in the not too distant future. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Well, I want to say thank you both so much for this opportunity and many thanks to your listening audience. And of course, I'm wishing everyone well as you uh, serve those customers to the very best of your ability. That is my hope for everybody who provides customer service. Let's, let's make a mark and let's uh, really take customer service to the next level. Let's do it. Thank you I so agree. much, Charlotte. We Thank agree. you Thank both. You, Charlotte. Thank Just you. hang on for a second, Charlotte. Um, everybody, this is a, another episode of the CX Experience, episode five. If you liked what you heard in season two so far, make sure you click below to the subscribe button. And, uh, you know, thank you very much, Charlotte. I appreciate it. Good luck, everybody. <laughs>